0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zola Africa, amuka na unai.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tavis Hoko, and Figi Lilingwati. In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sour, Nigeria criticizes Transparency International over corruption survey. And Zimbabwean government discourages travel to China after coronavirus outbreak. In economics news, African Development Bank approves grant for disaster risk management in Zamb- Zimbabwe. And in sports news, England beat South African pro to win series 3 1. But first up, the news with Ann Musa.
2: SABC News independent and impartial from an african from perspective,
3: perspective. perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. The United Nations top human rights official has called on the government of the Democratic Republic of Congo to take action to curb rights violations by the army. Michelle Bachelet made the comments at the end of a five-day visit to the DRC. Since President Felix Tshikedi took office a year ago, there are continued reports of peaceful protests being banned or violently dispersed. Parts of the DRC is also wrecked by internal communal violence and armed conflicts that have left hundreds dead and thousands homeless. The BBC's Roger Walker reports.
4: Nineteen ...extrajudicial executions in November alone. Her trip to Africa's second-largest country has included talks with President Felix Jisakedi, who took office a year ago. She said she was pleased that in that time the total number of human rights violations, including those committed by rebel forces, had fallen slightly. But she said her main concern was abuses by the state. Aid
3: agencies operating in the Mediterranean Sea say they are looking for safe ports in Malta and Italy for nearly 500 migrants rescued during the last 72 hours after sailing from Libya. The agency's Doctors Without Borders and SOS Mediterranean says some of those rescued were suffering from hypothermia and dehydration. Others had been exposed to fuel, which can develop into burns. A spokesperson for MSF said that despite the bad weather winter weather boats were continuing to leave Libya. An internationally brokered truce between the UN-recognized Government of National Accord in Tripoli and the rival military commander Khalifa Haftar has broken down. The U.S. Supreme Court has given the go-ahead on one of President Donald Trump's hardline immigration policies, allowing his administration to implement a controversial rule denying legal permanent residency to certain immigrants. It overturned a lower court ban on the public charge policy, which allows applicants for permanent residency to be disqualified if they are deemed likely to require government assistance in the future, the BBC's Peter Bowers reports.
0: Immigration is one of President Trump's core issues, clamping down, being tougher on uh, illegal immigration. So I think in those areas that are leaning towards President Trump anyway, a ruling like this can only benefit Mr. Trump when it comes to the election. On the other hand, though, there are many areas that rely on immigrant communities, certainly California for one, where this kind of ruling will be seen as a negative.
3: China says at least 106 people are now known to have died from the coronavirus with with cases of new infections. Having almost doubled, the number of total confirmed cases in China has risen to over 4,500 as of Monday, up from 2,800 a day earlier. The city of Wuhan, thought to be the epicenter of it, is in effective lockdown, as is much of surrounding Hubei province. The coronavirus causes severe acute respiratory infection, and there's no specific cure or vaccine. Most of the deaths have been of elderly people or those with pre-existing respiratory problems. The BBC's Rico Hizon reports. They have uh, basically
5: extended uh, the shutdown to February 2nd to keep the public at home and avoid spreading infection. As you know, business in China is essentially shut down through Thursday for the long Chinese New Year holiday. So... Many businesses uh, have been hurt, many multinational factories uh, have uh, been shut down due to this uh, coronavirus, which has already killed 100 people in the mainland, With at least 44 cases have been confirmed overseas.
3: And finally, a team of wildlife conservationists have flown to Sudan to look after four starving lions in a zoo in the capital Khartoum. The animals went hungry during the months of political and economic turmoil last year. They lost as much as two-thirds of their body weight. A lioness at the zoo died from dehydration last week. The conservationists say their first priority is to provide food and medical care for the lions. They will then look for a long-term solution. That's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective. perspective.
6: Across the globe, every second there's always a breaking story.
4: Kole enjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa.
0: Reporting for Channel Africa,
4: I am Hilda Kekeloa
0: in Zambia.
6: Our cutting-edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you
0: the
7: whole picture
0: every time. George Muhango. Channel Africa Blantyre.
7: Reporting for Channel Africa, this is Moki Kinzeka in Yaoundi.
0: From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Join us every day and know what is happening around you. Channel Africa.
1: Nigeria has criticized Transparency International following the release of a 2019 Corruption Perception Index report, which ranked it among the world's most corrupt nations. Nigeria was ranked 146th out of 180 countries, with a score of 26 out of 100, making it the second most corrupt nation in the West African region. Channel Africa's Collins Atto has more.
8: The primary reaction from all government-related organs and representatives is that the report can't be true to expectation because of the terms of reference which is predicated on a number of other institutions which do have credible balances should have been complemented with direct individual data collection by Transparency International. Senior Special Assistant to the President on Media and Publicity Garbache who says the report did not consider the strides made so far by the Buhari administration and it was a harsh presentation. in disfavor of government. the report as we have ignore major major strides that have been achieved
0: by this administration under president Muhammadu buhari this country has abolished grand corruption the report of two years ago is not the same as this one what i'm telling you is that this report ignored the fact that efcc alone had achieved high-profile convictions never seen before in this country as a matter of fact, I'm aware that the leaders of one of the leading agencies in the country, PACAC, the Presidential Advisory Committee on, on Against Corruption, actually went all the way to the UK and sat down with Transparency International, disagreed with them on their methodology and told them that if you have to be taken seriously by anyone in this
8: country, go into research serious research one man who disagreed with Garba who among others is dachung bako a member of the lower chambers of the nigeria's national assembly as well as member of the house committee on financial crime bago says there are enough rules but no strong institution to checkmate corruption
2: it is an issue that across party lines, across religious line, across ethnic line, let's come to the table and look at what I do, why are we at this level now, instead of the blaming game. You start looking at the reasons why uh, Nigeria has been rated at this level, you should be able to know that actually we have a problem that has to do with transparency and accountability. Uh, when you talk of fighting corruption, yes, there are agencies that are in charge of fighting corruption. When you talk of transparency, you know that there's someone that needs to give and to be transparent about it when you talk of accountability you know that someone needs to be accountable on some certain issues we shouldn't look at issues that have to do with fighting corruption in 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 the media we shouldn't look at issues that have to do with fighting corruption by arrest or conviction no what are the major issues when you look at the perception of transparency international to me i believe in it because every country in this world has tendencies of corrupt issues but then the system and strong institutions are issues that address these things generally
8: the country's representative of transparency international Awal rafsanjani who presented the report says collaboration between relevant agencies and interest bodies with a principle that does not tolerate secret cows is the way out of the tight jacket for nigeria the index is 100% impartial objective globally well respected the negative results from this year provoked tall cautions. Despite proclaim war on corruption, why is Nigeria perceived by Nigerians and the international communities still as very corrupt? The government of Nigeria claims winning the war on corruption. But is this statement backed by evidence? Where there is alignment of purpose and commitment among the arms of government, executive legislator and judiciary, and where the anti-corruption campaign is transparent, inclusive, and objective, there must be no room for untouchable, no matter how close to government power or influence. To properly understand the color of corruption and the way out of it, international experts comprising of Professor Khan of the Economic School of Oriental Studies at the University of London, William Sumer, a governance expert with the United Nations Development Programme, country representative in Nigeria, Oliver Stolpe of the UN Office on Drug and Crime, and David Ugolo, the Executive Director, African Network for Environment and Economic Outlook, laid it bare in their comment at a forum on corruption in Nigeria.
7: If you don't identify the most damaging types of corruption that are feasible to address and do something about it, then you won't get the development which actually allows you to reduce other types of corruption. So there is a kind of two-way causality going on here, and that's why the analysis of corruption is so complicated. We perceive corruption as a governance deficit, that when institutions of governance are not efficiently responsive to the needs of the citizens and do not have the capacity to deliver certain services efficiently and effectively, then it creates a loop for transactional costs that manifest as uh, corruption.
8: While the anti-corruption agenda of the government has certainly reduced the space for corruption to take place quite dramatically in some spaces, it has done so much less in the area of petty corruption. The day-to-day experience of Nigerians being confronted with requests for small-scale bribes has not fundamentally changed. In the latest ranking, it was observed that a total sum of six hundred and seventy five billion naira, about one billion eight hundred and seventy six million US dollars was given out in cash as bribe in Nigeria in twenty nineteen. The sum represents about 0.52% of Nigeria's GDP. The fact that the informal sector of the Nigerian economy has not been properly streamlined and the absence of strong institutions to complement the policies and regulations put in place by government have all contributed to the clog in the wheel of progress in the war against corruption. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Snosa Atohembe for Channel Africa News.
1: Amnesty International says human rights remain a threat in the Democratic Republic of Congo. This according to a report issued by the Rights Group a year since the country underwent historic change. Last Friday marked a year since President Felix Tshisekedi took office. Amnesty International says militia violence, ethnic clashes and failure to hold rights abusers to account tops the record of President Felix Tshisekedi, who succeeded Joseph Kabila. DRC's ruler, for 18 years. For more on this, Ntlantamaklangu spoke to DRC researcher at Amnesty International, Jean-Mobé Senga.
9: President Chisiqui's first year in office has been marked by a slight improvement in terms of right of uh, association and um, right of, uh, to freedom of association and uh, freedom of, uh, of expression, although um, challenges remain in that regard too. Uh, but in terms of accountability and justice, it has been uh, a, a failure. Uh, he has not taken any uh, step to address the, the huge uh, legacy of impunity and injustice for uh, human rights violations and serious crimes.
2: Do you think there's any positive steps that have been taken by President Tisekedi ever since he took office?
9: Yeah, so he did, like he released political prisoners. About uh, 700 people were released from prisons. Um, many opposition uh, leaders and civil society leaders who have been living in exile have been allowed now to return to DRC and continue their activities. Some uh, foreign correspondents, foreign reporters who had been uh, expelled during the political crisis. Uh, have been allowed to come back to the country. So, those are concrete improvements in terms of uh, civic space. But on the other hand, those who um, in the security apparatus who are responsible for the past crackdowns and uh, serious crimes have not been held to account. And there is no sign that they are going to be held to account because uh, President Sikedi doesn't seem to be taking uh, justice and accountability as a priority.
2: In the report that you've since issued as amnesty, you also allude to some of the continuing problems that uh, the DRC continues to face. What are some of these issues that you are worried about as amnesty?
9: Yes, so those include uh, the lack of accountability and justice for serious crimes and uh, human rights violations, as I just said. But they also include the security issues the protection of civilians, uh, especially in the East, where thousands of people have been killed and continue to be killed on a daily basis, and millions have been forcibly displaced from their homes. Uh, So there are ongoing military operations, but the planning of those operations and the way they are conducted do not provide guarantees that uh, their safety is taken seriously. Um, the other challenge includes the, the reforms, the structural reforms of the justice system, the security system, so that to ensure that the rule of law is enforced and anyone uh, responsible for, for human rights violations is held to account because that's the only way we can prevent uh, violations from repeating.
2: Now, activists as well as opposition parties have raised concern that there are continuing crackdown on protests in the DRC. Do you also share the same sentiments as Amnesty?
9: Yeah, it's not a sentiment actually. It's a fact. Um, the crackdown continue, uh, probably on a lower scale compared to uh, what used to happen during the Kabila years but it continues and it's a shame Uh, it should not be the case because there is no reason to impose blanket bans on protests or to violently crack down on students or civil society activists or opposition um, members or supporters who are organizing rallies peacefully. Or even if there is violence, there are rules for police intervention to restore the order. They can't use uh, lesser force and the UN use of force should be proportionate to the violence. But that uh, is still not the case and that's something that President Chisikedi's administration should address as soon as possible.
1: That's uh, Amnesty International DRC researcher Jean Mobe Senga speaking to Ntlantlamalang. Tune in to Vision 2030 with Una Pateke and Tabila Masugu, the new show revolving around the Sustainable Development
5: Goals and Agenda 2030.
1: Every Tuesday, 10 to 11 a.m. Central African Time. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Channel Africa one hashtag Vision 2030.
0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorba. Africa, amuka, na,
1: Zimbabwe says it is on high alert for a possible outbreak of the coronavirus that has so far killed 106 people in China with more than 4,000 confirmed cases in China. A small number of confirmed cases have also been found outside China. In light of a disease outbreak, Zimbabwe's health minister, Dr. Agnes Mahomba, says that measures have been put in place to test and quarantine those affected to curb the spread of the deadly virus. Simon Machema has more from Harare.
10: The Zimbabwean government has expressed confidence it will be able to deal with the coronavirus that has killed many people in China, the epicenter of the outbreak. Nearly 100 people have died so far in China and more than 2,000 people quarantined after testing positive to the flu-like virus. Considering that Zimbabwe has close relations with China, resulting in nearly 2 million of them visiting to Victoria Falls and other tourist destination per the Southern African nation is worried. Meanwhile, the coronavirus outbreak in China comes at a time when Zimbabwe is struggling economically and that its health sector is collapsed. Although Zimbabwe hospital doctors are not at work for now, Zimbabwe is ready to deal with the virus if detected. In the country, Health Minister Obedaya Moyo Said.
7: Naturally, you're all asking whether we'll be able to handle the coronavirus if it comes to Zimbabwe, isn't it? The answer for now, I would like to say yes. And why am I saying yes? Because we're already starting by having this awareness and making sure that our people are made aware of that condition, of that virus. Everybody becomes aware. So that's number one. At the same time, I can also say we've got some limitations because of the current operating environment in our health uh, sector. We would need all our health facility to be fully functional so that in our novel coronavirus communication strategy, if we say uh, present to your nearest health facility, if suspecting the infection, our staff is able to detect and manage and be able to assist.
10: In a bid to effectively deal with the virus in Zimbabwe and the region, Minister Moe suggested the travel restrictions of locals to the epicenter.
7: The other question which has been asked is whether business has been affected as yet in Zimbabwe. Uh, What I can say to that is so far the flights which have been cancelled, or rather the people who have been stopped from coming, are The ones who are of Chinese origin, and I said those of Zimbabwean origin are still coming through. But we are now strongly recommending Zimbabweans not to unnecessarily travel to the affected area.
10: World Health Organization is recommending the use of particular antiretrovirals against the coronavirus following some successful treatment on one case in the West African recently. Accordingly, Zimbabwe is going to be using the same internationally acclaimed way of dealing with the virus, Health Minister said. All entry points at the airports and ground borders have been put on higher lead to test and quarantine suspected cases, Moyo said.
7: So, our surveillance systems have been activated countrywide, but we have special focus on the main ports of entry. And exit. And like I said, this particular international airport, uh, Joshua Mkabuko Nkomo Airport in Blawail, Victoria Falls, and Bybridge, uh the ground ports, are now heavily surveilled. And the two major infectious diseases hospital, that is the Central Hospital, infection control, the casualty and other key personnel, have to be trained. On clinical management, should any cases do occur. Okay. And training in epidemic preparedness response and activation of rapid response teams is ongoing.
10: Dr. Moya said, Corona virus has a gestation period of 21 days, and as such, every person detected with high fever would be monitored for the same period. Examinations of these people will be done during the time, and if results confirm the presence of the virus, then the sick people will be hospitalized for treatment. Fortunately, no one is yet to be tested positive to the virus in the country, despite the high morbidity of the Chinese in the country.
7: As I said, the infection is currently not in Zimbabwe, and we would like to keep our fingers crossed so that it does not come to Zimbabwe. So we've got to sell as much awareness to our population as possible. We have to do that. We have to educate everyone. Yes, the World Health Organization has looked at it, They've come up with a committee, and the committee of the World Health Organization at the moment feels that novel coronavirus should not be Declared as an international outbreak,
10: Zimbabwe learnt from the mistakes of the past during the Ebola outbreak some years before, and has started to act early, Minister Moyo said. In Harare, Zimbabwe, for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchema.
1: The United States President Donald Trump's impeachment defense team resumed their opening arguments before the Senate on Monday just as explosive revelations emerged to bolster a Democrat's case against him. A report in the New York Times alleges that former National Security Advisor John Bolton personally ties President Trump to the blocking of military aid to Ukraine until that country launched a criminal investigation into his Democratic political opponent Joe Biden. The new revelations, essentially that the president told Bolton that a freeze on military aid to Ukraine would remain until the country's government helped Trump with the investigation he sought into the Bidens, are all contained in an initial draft of a forthcoming book by the former National Security Advisor, showing Bryce Peace reports.
6: John Bolton also agreed to testify if he were to receive a subpoena from the Senate, a move that still hangs in the balance, but with some moderate Republicans indicating that the possibility is growing. At least three Republican senators have expressed a willingness to call more witnesses, bucking the party line. Among them, Mitt Romney, here in conversation with reporters.
5: I think it's uh, increasingly likely uh, that other Republicans will uh, will join those of us who think we should hear from John Bolton and whether uh, there are other witnesses and documents, well, that's another matter, but I think uh, John Bolton's relevance to our decision has become, has become increasingly clear. some you of, you of your colleagues
0: you think, have indicated that to you?
5: I, I'm not going to speak for any other Republican uh, senators. But to, they have? have had conversations? I, I, I have America? spoken with others who've uh, 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 pined upon this as well.
6: Democrats require at least four Republicans to join them in a motion to call more witnesses, while the president was asked what his response was to the New York Times report.
11: Well, I haven't seen a manuscript, but uh, I can tell you nothing was ever said to John Bolton, but I have not seen a manuscript. I guess he's writing a book. I have not seen it.
6: After just more than two hours used in a brief appearance on Saturday, the bulk of the president's defense will emerge in arguments Monday and Tuesday, led by top criminal defense lawyer Alan Dershowitz and Kenneth Starr, the independent prosecutor whose report led to the impeachment of former President Bill Clinton. Pat Cipollone is the lead White House counsel.
7: Impeachment shouldn't be a shell game. They should give you the facts. That's all we have for today. We ask you, out of respect, to think about, think about whether what you've heard would really suggest to anybody, anything other that would be completely irresponsible abuse of power to do what they're asking you to do. To stop an election, to interfere in an election, And remove the president of the United States from the ballot? Let the people decide for themselves. That's what the founders wanted. That's what we should all want.
6: Opening arguments will conclude late Tuesday, after which senators will have 16 hours in which to raise questions or objections. But at the core of the Trump legal team's defense is that the president was acting within his constitutional mandate when he withheld military aid to Ukraine. That the impeachment process in the House of Representatives violated the president's right to due process and that by removing him from office is a ploy to overturn both the 2016 election result and the 2020 election just nine months away. The trial continues. I'm Sherwin Brice in New York.
1: Our headlines up next with Anne Moussa.
2: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, the United Nations top human rights official has called on the government of the Democratic Republic of Congo to take action to curb rights violations by the army. Michelle Bachelet made the uh, comments at the end of a five-day visit to the DRC. Over 100 undocumented foreign nationals in Dipslut north of Johannesburg in South Africa have been taken in and handed over to immigration officers from the Department of Home Affairs who have. Been Deployed in the area, and the U.S. Supreme Court has given the go ahead on one of President Donald Trump's hardline immigration policies, allowing his administration to implement a controversial rule denying legal permanent residency to certain immigrants. Those are the stories making headlines.
2: SABC News, independent and impartial from an African
6: perspective.
2: Africa, rise
0: and shine. Africa, zola. Africa, amka na umay.
1: As the third method for freight transportation in South Africa, road freight, excluding passenger freight, emits approximately 16.8 million tonnes of carbon dioxide annually, making it the second largest contributor to carbon emissions after electricity. One way to reduce these carbon emissions is to put in, a, in place a road freight decarbonisation framework that specifically developed for the country's context. Dr. Leanne Anne obtained her doctorate in logistics management at Stellenbosch University. Recently, developed the first ever road freight decarbonisation framework for the Southern African nation that transport companies and policymakers can use to de- decrease uh, to decrease emissions. Dr. Terblanche joins us on the line to expand on this. Dr. Terblanche, good morning, and thank you for joining us on Africa Rise and Shine.
4: Good morning, thank you so much for calling me.
1: Now, how would you quantify the damage that road freight transportation is causing the South African environment currently?
4: So, the road freight actively contributes to also uh, the greenhouse effect. Um, Carbon emissions is the primary source for greenhouse effect. So, being the second largest contributor in South Africa is actually quite significant.
1: Do you think that the decarbonisation framework that you have developed will address the issue of carbon emissions by freight transportation? And how really is it going to work?
4: Yes, it will definitely address it. Um, In the framework itself, there's four key decision-making influences which companies make that actively contribute to carbon emissions. Should a company decide to um, do something about those the fields, it was definitely lower carbon emissions. The framework wife tested on a company with positive results.
1: Please take us through the details of the framework so that uh, we have better understanding. Because, you know, th- theoretically, um, you know, you, you kind of try and picture it. But on the practical sense, you know, how would it work and how would it be implemented?
4: So the four key decision making influences is what will drive the carbon emission reduction. The first one is moving some of your um, freight to rail. It was calculated that approximately 7.5% of all South African freight can move to rail. So there is a certain saving percentage there. The second decision is to optimize your logistical network. There are various types of influences that go into that second decision. Um, where your warehouses are situated, your clients, and um, your slot time And then the third one is your operational efficiency. So, how well do you get your um, transporters to drive on the road? Um, and then the fourth decision is a culture. Within South Africa, we have the RTM framework, which can be used to um, assist companies to be more compliant to our laws and regulations. And then obviously there's things at such as theft and hijacking that also plays a role, a role. The framework identifies these four key decision-making influences and exactly identifies what you can do within these four key decision-making influences to lower your carbon emissions.
1: And what's been the reaction in the freight market?
4: It was actually a rather positive. Um, the, the past few days I have been... Um, part of meeting our conferences, um, radio interviews, um, Friday night hours on the news on, e- on the e-channel. Um, so it's, it's definitely getting the traction that's necessary, um, especially from poly- policy makers. Um, we also have a conference in October where we'll be presenting, um, and some policy makers will be attending that conference. So it's definitely going in the right direction.
1: And has there been any reaction from government with regards to, you know, because this is definitely going to assist in, 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 um, you know, the the damage that is being done um, on the climate and uh, carbon emissions and, uh, you know, South Africa being um, one of those countries um, that are uh, big emitters on the African continent. Has there been any reaction from government or the leadership of the country?
4: There has been some reaction. I did receive over the weekend a request to talk about the framework with um, local government. Um, so I'm very pleased about this um, communication and hopefully that will drive the decarbonisation going forward.
1: Dr. Tara Blanche, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
4: Thank you so much.
1: That's Dr. Leanne Blanche, an ICT business analyst who recently developed the first ever road freight decarbonisation framework for South Africa.
0: Africa rise and shine Africa zonga tota. Africa amika na unai
1: Hundreds of thousands of citizens protested against an anti-Muslim law as India celebrated its 71st National Day with a grand military show on Sunday. The government faces charges of destroying the constitution which declared India into a secular democratic republic on the 26th of January in 1950. Rana Sen reports from New Delhi.
11: India's sea of protest also spilled into Europe, where billionaire philanthropist George Soros argued India was now among the world's most undemocratic states. The most frightening setback occurred in India, where the democratically elected Narendra Modi created a Hindu nationalist state, imposing punitive measures on Kashmir and threatening to deprive millions of Muslims of their citizenship. On Sunday the Indian police once again targeted protesters and 2009 Nobel Prize winner Venkatraman Ramakrishnan urged the government to follow Mahatma Gandhi's mantra of non-violence. It's
9: very important for a government to be tolerant of dissent. If you don't have tolerance of dissent then you don't really have a democracy and so I would say that for India to flourish You need to have a government that's confident enough that it doesn't mind
11: dissent and dissent is the best way to get critical feedback. The celebrations came just as a World Democracy Index downgraded India to its lowest rank since 2006. The Mahatma's grandson, Gopal Krishna Gandhi, said the nation was in grave danger.
0: We have to admit that there is an extraordinary crisis. And there, the younger generation has shown us a way that Gandhi and all the founders of our constitution would have hailed for two reasons. One, that they have shown
11: tremendous confidence. And two, they have tried to be to remain completely non-violent. Prime Minister Narendra Modi insists the controversial law meant no harm to India's 200 million Muslims. But author Farad Naqvi disagreed.
5: The protests across India are a
2: response to this slow gnawing away of the institutions that we have seen specifically under this government. You are seeing a rat-like knowing away of every fundamental that we have held dear.
11: The European Parliament is set to vote on a resolution targeting Modi's policies. Analyst Dilanjan Sarkar said India's honeymoon with the West was now certainly over. A lot of Indians at the highest levels would like to think that they can throw their weight around like China, but the reality is that Indian establishment does not have that kind of bargaining power in the international system and that massively constrains what India can do and the extent to which it can sort of push its own agenda internationally. Critics also say Indian Muslims will be asked soon to establish their roots, but most Hindus also do not have documents to prove their origin. The result would be chaos on a scale unseen ever before in the world. For news break, this is Anna Sen reporting from New Delhi.
12: the globe
6: every second there's always a breaking story
4: Joy for channel africa radio in ethiopia's capital Addis Ababa.
0: reporting for channel africa i am hilda keke in zambia
6: our cutting edge and hard-hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned giving you the
0: whole picture every time george muhango channel africa Blantaya
7: reporting for channel africa this is moki kinzika in
0: from an african perspective listen to channel africa in english kiswahili french silozi portuguese and chinyanja informing the world about africa join us every day and know what is happening around you channel africa <laughs>
1: Tributes continue to pour in after the shock death of retired basketball legend Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles County yesterday. The retired NBA L.A. Lakers star perished with his 13-year-old daughter along with seven others when the helicopter they were traveling in crashed into a hillside in the town of Calabasas. While the National Transportation Safety Board has launched an investigation into the cause of the crash, fans, friends, colleagues, and even presidents have all shared in the nation's grief, Show at Rice Priest reports.
6: Kobe Bryant won multiple NBA championships with the Los Angeles Lakers and was considered one of basketball's all-time greats. He and his daughter Gianna, along with seven others, among them parents, their children, and the pilot, were on their way to a basketball academy where Bryant coached his daughter's team. Despite growing interest and attention near the crash site in Calabasas, authorities have warned people to stay away, as Sheriff Alex Villanova explains.
0: As you can imagine, it's a logistical uh, nightmare in a sense because the crash site itself is not easily accessible. However, we're now faced with, uh, I guess, well-wishers and people mourning who have descended on the area, on the residential community, and even the crash site itself. And we have to reiterate, it is off limits to everybody except the first responders and investigators.
6: Thousands of fans flock to the home of the Lakers, the Staples Center which at the time was hosting the Grammy Awards, a team Bryant spent his entire 20 year career playing for.
0: This is, it's extremely tragic. It just, it means so much, not just, not just to the Lakers organization, but to the entire community of Los Angeles as a whole the city, you know.
5: We lost Kobe today. It's a very a sad day for us, they We were a big fan of Kobe. We grew up watching him, he was a good player. He was... It's not going to be the
10: same
6: without him, no. In messages posted to Twitter, former President Barack Obama called Bryant a legend who was just getting started on a meaningful second act in life. President Donald Trump later also referred to him as one of the truly great basketball players of all time, offering condolences to his widow and three other daughters. Other sports legends also weighed in. Listen to Tiger Woods just finished a professional round of golf in california when the news broke
9: it's a shocker to everyone um, un- un- unbelievably sad and um, one of the more tragic days that uh, i think well for me it's it, the reality is kind of sitting in because um, i have just told probably about you know five minutes ago australian tennis player
6: nick
4: kirgios when i woke up to the news it was pretty emotional it was pretty heavy luck like, just all day it was just kind of um, obviously i was having basketball on at my house just. Watching the games, but well. it was just heavy. And uh, yeah, it was tough. Um, it's
6: horrible news. The number one ranked male tennis player in the world, Rafael Nadal. He
2: have been uh, a true inspiration for the world of sport and for a lot of kids. So yeah, um, it's one of these days that uh, you want to forget. But uh, of course, Kobe Bryant will be in our, in our hearts and in our minds for the rest of our lives.
6: A son of Los Angeles and a city coming to terms with his untimely departure. To put that into some context, Bryant was regarded as a future Hall of Famer, a basketball great, a prolific scorer, the second best shooting guard only after Michael Jordan, five NBA championships with the Lakers, 18 all-star appearances and two Olympic gold medals to boot. A loss that is being felt across the world. He survived by his wife of almost 19 years, Vanessa, and three daughters, Natalia, Bianca and Capri. Kobe Bryant was just 41. I'm Bryce Bricepies in New York.
1: Our economics updates up next with Travis Oluhoku.
5: Good morning. The National Union of Matter Workers of South Africa has signed a three-year settlement agreement in the Motor Industries Bargaining Council. MIBCO represents workers in the motor sector, including in component companies, petrol stations and car dealerships. The South African motor sector also employs about... 306,000 workers. NUMSA secured an 8% increase for garage workers as well as dealership employees and a 7.5% increase for component manufacturers. Spokesperson Palamila Lhubi Machola.
3: This round of wage talks was extremely tough because of challenges faced in the economy. But despite this, we managed to secure higher wages, in particular for garage workers who are the lowest paid in the sector. As NUMSA, said, we wish to thank our officials for working tirelessly to secure to secure these increases, and we urge them to continue to serve our members to the best of their abilities.
5: The Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe has threatened to freeze bank accounts belonging to individuals and corporates that continue to cause market distortions through illegal foreign currency deals. The central bank said this via its official Twitter handle at the. A country, as that the country was enjoying relative stability in terms of its volatile exchange rate regime, but this was being disturbed by dealers. The bank says it has come to its attention that there are some exchange rate manipulators that are exerting pressure on the forex market with the intention of destabilizing the stability that the country has been experiencing over the past four months. The African Development Bank has approved a $685,000 grant to help Zimbabwe manage natural disasters such as droughts, floods and tropical cyclones. In a statement last Friday, the bank said that the grant will cover training for national agencies involved in disaster risk management and finance contingency planning. The bank says extreme weather conditions had affected agricultural production and disrupted livelihoods in Zimbabwe. Kenya's persistent corruption blot may hinder its early access to a U.S. multi-million-dollar development program. Nairobi is ranked 137 out of 180 countries on the latest Corruption Perceptions Index published by Global Watchdog. Transparency International, indicating that despite the latest push to combat the vice, the war is far from being won. With the prevalent bribery and kickbacks in tendering and a police servant clamping down on protesters, the U.S. government suggests that Kenya's access to funding for poverty alleviation programs may be delayed. The Zambia Cooperative Federation will engage agro-dealers across the country to enhance financial access points, especially in rural areas. ZCF Director General James Chirua said the recently launched electronic platform by the cooperative in partnership with the united bank for africa zambia limited will be used by agro dealers to provide various services using the point of sale devices Chira says that the zcf e-solution that has been integrated with the uba prepaid cot will help to facilitate flexibility for both the cooperative and institutions the u.s dollar is trading at three sixty thirteen nigerian nara 10.62 Botswana Pula. 99.80 Kenyan Shilling. And 14.48 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one US dollar will cost you. 4.19 Brazilian Roll. 6.259 Russian Rubble. 7.132 Indian Rupee. 6.93 Chinese Yuan. And 14.53 to the South African Rand. 76 pence to the British pound. 90 cents to the Euro. Gold 1,000 dollars. Platinum 9.88 Dollars pounds, brand crude fifty eight dollars ninety five cents a barrel. From an African perspective,
1: I suppose updates up next with Figure
0: In this hour, in our sports update, we begin with tennis news. World number one, Ashley Barty will take on young American Sophia Kenin in the first semi semi-final of the Australian Open. Barty beat Petra Kitova 7-6, 6-2 this morning, while Kenin overcame the hard-hitting Tunisian Ons Jabu 6-4 and 6-4. The first two men's quarterfinals take place later. Roger Federer faces American Tennessee Sandgren, while Milos Raonic, comes up against Novak Djokovic in the night match. More tennis news. South African township and a province, Soweto and Gauteng residents, will be treated to some top-class tennis action when Kevin Anderson and Lloyd Harris square up at the Rising Star Exhibition match to be played at Soweto's Arthur Ashe Complex south of Johannesburg this coming Sunday. Anderson, who in 2018 reached a career high of 5th, in ATP World Ranking, after his famous US Open final loss to Rafael Nadal came the first South African since Kevin Curran to achieve this feat in the 80s. The 33-year-old Anderson comes up against the up-and-coming Cape Town-born Harris, age 22, and currently ranked 72nd in the world. Harris is tipped to take over as the country's top player and victory over Anderson will be a statement of intent, according to the tennis South Africa's CEO, Richard Glover
9: some homegrown south african players let's be honest uh, especially kevin doesn't play on south African soil very often so it's, a, it's quite a unique opportunity to see some homegrown heroes in soweto um south african players playing in soweto against each other i mean i think we've we've pretty much at capacity i think there's only a very few tickets left so it's going to be a, a great atmosphere a great crowd i think it's going to be a uniquely unique piece soweto atmosphere as well and I think that's
12: going to be awesome, and I think as long as the weather plays its part, I think it's going to be a fantastic day for tennis in South Africa.
0: This is a game that will generate a lot of interest, Clava says. His team will be expecting a bumper crowd and will have prepared for it come Sunday. Yes, yeah, So, there's a, so there's, a, there's a very good team working on the, the projects and the programme,
9: and I think our plans are moving ahead.
0: football new south african senior national team banyana banyana star temi khatana has completed her transfer move to portuguese giants benfica after a successful stint in china with beijing bg phoenix the 23 year old is excited with her move from asia to europe benfica's vice president fernando tavares expects big things from the South African as they hope to utilize her ability to qualify for the UEFA Women's Champions League. Khadana was once considered the best African of the year in 2019 and Tavaresh says acquiring her will endow Benfica's attack with several solutions. And finally, the series win over South Africa had given England a template for the next Ashes series, Captain Joe Root said after another emphatic test win yesterday. England's team, with a mix of experience and promising young stars, beat South Africa by 191 runs in the fourth test yesterday to complete a 3-1 series triumph. After failing to prize back the Ashes last year when they drew two all-in the five test series at home, Root said the win in South Africa provided a timely boost. England are next in Sri Lanka in March and then host the West Indies and Pakistan later this year. Root said the six home tests will give the team an opportunity to string together positive performances in completely different conditions. That is the Spot News this hour. Africa rise and shine. Africa, so,
8: Africa, Amika, Na
1: Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the SAWA, Nigeria criticizes Transparency International over Corruption Survey. And Zimbabwean government discourages travel to China after coronavirus outbreak. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumusurama Gaza, and Tutungobeni, technical producer Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Mikasa, with a song titled Toka.
12: about the world and lift my hands. Yeah, I just want to dance.